Chapter 28 I didn't have much time to sit and feel sorry for myself. That would come later. I had an appointment. It was my birthday. I was supposed to hear the last statement left to me by my father. Or my real father, whatever that meant. All a sham, of course. But I had to go through with it. It was a trap. But the only way out of the trap was to step right in. Arya was Visser 3. She slash he had been looking for me, which meant she slash he suspected me. If I didn't show up, the Yurks would assume I had figured out the trap. They'd assume I was an Animorph. Why did they suspect me in the first place? Who knew? But it was an easy leap from deciding I, a human boy, was one of the so-called Andalite bandits to guessing that the others were human, too, to guessing that they were kids I had known. From then on, it would be a deadly chess game with only one possible end. They would get Jake. He had been my friend. Jake would be made into a controller. Even if he died resisting them, they'd move from him to Marco, his best friend, and Rachel, his cousin. From Rachel to Cassie. Game over. I had to find a way to walk into that lawyer's office and let Visser 3 spring his trap. And not get caught. And worst of all, I had to do it alone. He would have his forces clustered all around De Groat's office. One glimpse of a strange animal, and it would be all over. Visser 3 would know. In fact, my friends would have to be somewhere else. While I went in to face De Groat, and the foul fake of Arya. They would go back and launch an attack on the Yurks, attempting to clean up the weapon site we'd hit earlier. I morphed a human a long way from the office, just to eliminate any chance of being seen. I walked eight blocks to the lawyer's office. Walked. I hadn't walked that far in a very long time. It's a lame way to travel. When you fly... You're living in three dimensions. When you crawl the earth like a human, there are just two. It was slow as well. And there were traffic lights, and other people, and cars, and... Flying was so much better. So be happy, I told myself bitterly. It's a good thing you aren't going to be human again. You can still fly. No family, but I could fly. I was shaking and scared by the time I reached the office. It wasn't so much for me. I guess, at some level, I didn't care all that much if I lived or died right then. I just worried about blowing it somehow. For the others. For my friends. I guess it's true what they always say about combat soldiers. They may start out fighting for their country, 
but they end up fighting for the guy next to them in the foxhole. I didn't so much care about the fate of the human race at that moment. I wasn't human. I was a hawk. But I cared about Jake, and Cassie, and Marco, and Axeman, and Rachel. Always, Rachel. The receptionist was gone when I walked, trembling, through the door. I stood there, unsure of what to do. Then the two of them came from the inner office. Arya smiled a big smile. You must be Tobias, she said. I remembered seeing her for the first time, watching her through her window at the hotel, me flying hundreds of feet in the air. Then it struck me, the thing that had bothered me then. Supposedly, she'd been in the African bush for years or whatever, but when she'd left her room, she'd paused to check her hair. Perfectly appropriate for a normal woman. Just... A bit wrong for a woman who'd spent her days hiding in blinds and racing around in open-topped Land Rovers. I nodded. Yeah, I'm Tobias. My role was tough street kid. It was easy for me to pull off, given that I usually forget to make facial expressions and had a tendency to stare. She came and put her arms around me. She hugged me close. The morph that called herself Arya Visser 3. I stiffened and tried to pull away. It's okay, she said with perfect sincerity. Tobias, we're family. I want to take care of you. De Grote came over and shook my hand. He said, Come on in, young man. If you weren't looking for it, you'd never notice it. The way De Grote stayed back from Aria like she was someone he didn't want to get too close to, like she was someone he didn't want to touch, someone he feared. So, I thought, DeGrote is in on this. He's a controller. He knows who Arya is. We all took seats in the office, DeGrote looking to Arya for cues, Arya playing the role of concerned, decent woman, me being the tough street kid. One wrong move, one slight wrong move, and Yerks would pile in on me from directions I hadn't even thought of yet. We are here today to carry out the reading of an important document left for Tobias by his father. By... by a man different than the man you believe to be your father. I shrugged. Whatever. Arya leaned toward me. Aren't you interested in finding out... Who your real father is? I laughed. Did he leave me any money? DeGroat's eyebrow shot up. No. I rolled my eyes. Figures. DeGroat tapped the pages to straighten them. Then we'll go straight to reading the documents, if that's... Some little bit of Visser 3 showed through then. Read it! He slash she snapped. Then, forcing a smile, said... I'm anxious to hear what this is all about. So the lawyer began to read. I had forgotten how to use facial expressions. I was used to being a hawk and not a human. It saved my life. Chapter 29 Dear Tobias, the lawyer read. He hesitated, 
pulled a pair of glasses from his desk, and put them on. Then started again. Dear Tobias, I am your father. You never knew me, and I never knew you. I do not know what your life has been over these many years. I hope that your mother found someone else to love. I know that all memory of me has been erased from her mind. All evidence of my time on earth has been erased. I could feel Arya staring at me. I could feel her predatory alertness. She was watching my eyes. I did not look at her. She was watching for the twitch that did not come. For the grimace. For the worry. For some emotion that would give me away. I gave her slash him nothing. I am being given this opportunity to communicate with you by the very creature who has erased my life on earth. He has called me back to my duty, and I cannot fail. This will all seem very strange to you, my unknown, unseen, unmet son. But I am not one of your people. I have taken on the form of a human, but I am not human. My lungs wanted to stop breathing. My heart wanted to stop beating. I felt like suddenly, everyone, everything, was very close in. Like Arya slash Visser 3 was breathing on my cheek, and the lawyer was leaning clear over his desk to whisper his words right in my ear. Not human. A reaction. I needed a reaction. I rolled my eyes and said, Oh, man as in sarcastic a tone as I could manage. The lawyer glanced at Visser Three, then went on. I was in a terrible war. I did terrible things. I had to, I suppose. But I grew tired of war, so I ran away. I went and hid among the people of Earth, among humans, while on Earth and living as a human. I took the name Alan Fangor. The lawyer was quoting from memory now, no longer reading. His eyes were narrowed to slits as he watched me. I took the name Alan Fangor, but my true name is Alfangor Cyrenal Shamtul. Time stopped. I felt like I'd grabbed hold of a million volt power line. Every cell in my body was tingling. Alfangor, my father. I could not let a flicker of recognition appear. Not a movement. Not a widening of the eyes. Nothing. Nothing. The lawyer had stopped. Visser Three glared at me with a woman's eyes. I shrugged. Is that it? I saw Arya's eyes dim. He slash she was disappointed. The tension... The electricity seemed to slowly seep out of the airless cube of an office. There's more, the lawyer said, drawing a delayed breath. But my true name is Alfangor Cyrenial Shamtul, he repeated, like he couldn't quite believe that name didn't make me jump up and run around the room. And though you will never know me, and we will never meet, I wanted to make sure that you knew my disappearance from your life was not by my choice. I wanted nothing more than to live out my life, loving your mother, and loving you as well. But we did meet, Alfangor, 
I thought. We met as you lay dying. Did you know? Did you guess? Father? Did you sense, at the last terrible moment, when I had to leave you to the murderer who now sits beside me, that I was your son? Tears! No! No! One tear, and I would die. DeGroat looked annoyed now, let down. He mumbled through the last paragraph of the letter, like he had somewhere else to be. But I was a part of something larger than myself. I had my duty. There was a great great evil evil I had to fight. There were lives I had to try and save, including yours and your mother's. I am from a race called Andalites. Duty is very important to us, as it is to many, many humans. I cannot say that I love you, my son, because I do not know you, but know that I wanted to love you. Know that, at least. It's signed, Alfangor Cyrano Shamtul, Prince. I barked out a harsh laugh. Well, that figures, doesn't it? What figures? The creature calling itself Arya asked. My so-called real father shows up, and he's some lunatic. Some idiot. Perfect. So, no money, right? No money, Digrote confirmed. I stood up. Arya did too. You really want to take me in? Or were you just hoping I was going to inherit something? I demanded. I do want to take you in, she said, smiling falsely. But it may have to wait just a little while. You see, I was suddenly called back to Africa to do some reshooting of... of some lions. I laughed derisively, still the tough street kid. Great, I have a nut for a father and a fake for a cousin. I turned my back on them and walked away. Tobias, Arya called. I turned back to face her. What? I... I knew your father. We were, shall we say, on opposite sides of certain issues. But he was no fool. Suddenly, Arya slash Visser 3 smiled. It was a faraway smile, like she slash he was remembering something from long ago. Prince Alfangor Cyrenel Shamtul was no fool, and the galaxy will not soon see his like again. I threw up my hands. Good grief, you're as crazy as he was. I walked out and closed the door behind me. I heard DeGroat say, Shouldn't we take him? Just to be safe? Make him one of us. Arya snorted derisively. He's street trash. A waste of a yurk. Alfangor would be ashamed. His son should be a warrior. A worthy adversary. Not some young fool. A pity, really. I'd been in Mort for a long time. I left the office and made it to a safe place without being followed or watched. I demorphed. I didn't think about the fact that I decided to remain as a human. I demorphed to Hawk before I could be trapped. But then, I morphed again. Back to human. See, I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry a lot, for a long time. And Hawks don't cry. Chapter 30
I could see it all now. De Groot said he had inherited the letter when his father died, and he had took over the law practice. The younger De Groot was a controller. He must have almost had a heart attack when he went through his father's old files, and the name Alfangor Sirenel Shamtul jumped up at him. There was not a Yurk alive who didn't know that name. Visser Three had wondered what happened to the son of his archenemy. Did Alfangor's son know the truth? Was Alfangor's son somehow connected with these Andalite bandits who caused the Visser such pain? Investigation had revealed that I had disappeared from school and from the custody of my indifferent relatives. That must have really piqued Visser Three's interest. So he devised a trap. Invent a cousin. Offer me what I obviously did not have. A home. Lower my defenses. Then, read me the letter. But then came the complication. Visser Three had a crisis to deal with. The young hork named Beck. He would need two traps. One for me. One for the free hork Just in case I was connected with the Andalite bandits, he would play the role to the hilt. In that first visit to check out Beck, he pretended to a humanity he did not have. Later, he arranged to make it seem like he'd saved some girl's life. What better proof that he was truly a human? It would have worked. Except for the fact that Visser Three was called suddenly to the facility where they had just captured a group of free hork He'd been passing his Arya at the time. He'd needed to get to the weapons facility quickly. A helicopter would do the trick, but he would need to travel in human morph. I saw him, and that was all that saved my life, and doomed his plan. I flew back to my meadow, my mind and heart more full than I would have thought possible. Alf Angor, my father. I had no doubt about who had erased Alf Angor's life on Earth, who had allowed him to leave me that one short letter. Only the Elemist could have done it. I landed back on my favorite branch, in my favorite tree. He had left me. My mother never remembered him. He had never existed for her, so she did not feel the pain of it. And I would not have known, but for the letter. And now, I guess I could be angry at him. But that wasn't how I felt. Alfangor had run away from his duty when he came to Earth. He'd had no choice but to return to that duty. No choice at all, if he was to play the part he had to play and be the great prince he was. I'd lost a father. Because of that fact, Alfangor had been where he had to be when he had to be there, to change the lives of five ordinary kids forever. And maybe, maybe, save the human race. I wondered why the Elemist had allowed my father to leave that letter, but I didn't wonder for long. The answer was too simple. See, I had a duty too. And who is there to remind you that what you want for yourself is less important than doing what is necessary and right? Message received, Father. Message received. Chapter 31 I swept down across the grass, silent, my wings carefully aligned. I raked my talons forward, flared my tail swung my wings forward, and dropped with perfect precision. My talons sank into the back of the rabbit's neck. And then, as before, I was not the hawk, 
but the rabbit. I was not the remorseless killer. I was the victim. Not the predator, but the prey. In this vision, I felt the pain of my talons in my own neck. I felt the terror of death from the sky. But I held on. I had to accept what this vision was telling me, what some corner of my own mind had wanted me to understand. The rabbit became calm and quiet as I absorbed its DNA. I acquired the rabbit, made it part of me. Then, I tightened my grip till the rabbit stopped squirming, till its heart stopped beating. I am, after all, the predator hawk. I kill to eat. But I am also the human being, and I can never take a life, not even for my own survival, without feeling. I had heard my father's message come down through the years. Now I heard the message my own mind was telling me. You are both, Tobias, hawk and human. You always will be. You will always kill to eat. And you will always regret. It's a rotten situation, I guess. But my duty is to be what I am. A hawk. A boy. Instinct. And emotion. I'll have to go on walking that tightrope. I ate the mother rabbit. All I could hold. Then, I morphed into the mother rabbit. And I shepherded the babies safely back to their den. As over our heads, the other hawk flew, looking down at us for a chance to hunt and eat, as I had done. Life would have been a lot easier for me if I could have been a simple, ruthless animal. If all my decisions were straightforward. If everything made sense. But that's not the way it is for human beings. I looked up at the other hawk through terrified rabbit eyes. I had become prey, this time for real. This is what it felt like. This is what my prey saw when they felt my shadow blot out the sun. It was good that I knew. Sorry, my brother hawk, I said to the shadow of death above me. There's nothing left for you in this meadow. These little ones are under my protection now. I killed to eat, but I didn't need to eat these little ones. These I would save. These little ones I could pity. That was the human thing to do. That night, I went to Rachel's room. She was asleep. She was ticked off when I woke her up, but she rolled out of bed and put on a robe and told me she would never get any sleep with some idiot bird coming in and out at all hours. Then, she showed me the cake. She lit a candle, and I blew it out by flapping my wings. Neither of us sang happy birthday, but she said it. Happy birthday, Tobias. Become the beast We don't have to hide Do I terrify you? Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Wow, almost flubbed that, but I brought it back. Um, I 
I don't know how you'd be hearing this if uh, you listen to this on Spotify, but some people have mentioned to me that there's something wonky going on with Spotify um, where it wasn't showing up, but then I hear it's maybe back. I haven't checked again myself, but the one time I did check, I couldn't find it. So I am working on that. I am aware of that. Um, I hope it comes back because a lot of you listen on Spotify and I would hate to lose y'all. Um, but it's kind of out of my hands now. I opened up a support ticket. Hopefully that gets resolved soon. Uh, I do have a lovely message from our favorite Australian farmer, Tank, uh, who writes in saying, Greetings, Daniel. I hope you're doing well and keeping cool. Opposite is said for me, uh, because it's Australia and they live in opposite world from uh, the upper hemisphere. What, the northern hemisphere? The northern hemisphere. <laughs> um, it is cold and I am missing the summer of 30 degrees Celsius or 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Thank you for translating that for me, because I wouldn't have known that. I'm not a Celsius guy. That is pretty hot. But once again, the books have been great. The depth they are going into the characters just makes you want to give them all a big hug. True. Uh, keep up the good work. I'll be lost in zero space when it all ends. I have attached a little clip of the wild brother we had this week and a winter sunset. Stay safe. Stay happy. My name is Tank. One day, I believe the Andalites will come. Till then, we fight. And, uh, he did send me a really gorgeous sunset and a really, uh, kick-ass video of, uh, driving a tractor in the rain, which looks like a lot of fun. I'd like to do that one day. <laughs> um, but thank you for writing in Tank. If you'd like to, uh, also write in like Tank has, uh, you can do that through gmail which is what he did that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com but you can also do that on tumblr that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and uh through my website that's theapocalypse.com that's the apocalypse like apocalypse but with the d in the middle um and you can also reach me on twitter that's at audiomorphs that's how some very kind listeners informed me that something was going on with spotify um, and so that's where you should go to check for announcements if, uh, usually if something's late, but I guess this time if it disappeared off Spotify for you, uh, that, that is where you'll hear about that. Uh, I just got my COVID booster today, so I am feeling a little out of it. So let's just wrap this on up. Thank you all for listening. And actually, what am I even saying? This is the end of the book. Wow. I have forgotten what I had just edited earlier today. This is the end of the book. Um, so thank you all for listening. I will try to get that super cut out uh, sometime next week. And we are moving on to the next book, which is I Took a Peek Ahead. Uh, those in the know, this is the Helmicrons. And those that don't know, uh, buckle in, it's the Helmicrons. Uh, I remember when I read through this, the last time I reread the series, I not my favorite book in the series, but actually... Uh, having just come off of uh, the David Saga into the Hork-Bajir Chronicles into this Tobias book where he grapples with the nature of humanity. Uh, Helmocrons, okay, j we need we need something a little lighter this time. We need to get back to the Andalite Toilet Area 57 type beat um, and break up. <laughs> Woo, it's been a, it's been a dark uh, series of books um, in a row. So enjoy. This one's going to be a little lighter, a little goofier. Um, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.